Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one. We're going through our series. Did everybody get a copy of the outline? Anybody did not get a copy? And uh, if you didn't get one, raise your hand, brother. Robert's doing a good job getting around to everybody. Genesis chapter number one this morning. And uh, today's lesson, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remain biblical. <laughs> Some of you are awake. You caught that, all right? Notice the topic this morning. What's so specific about gender? Okay, and believe it or not, this is something that we find it's a topic in the Word of God, but it's a, it's a hot topic in the world we live in today, is it not? And a lot of people are trying to uh, change the identity of, uh, of, of the mankind. And uh, folks, what, if, if we're Bible-believing Christians, what we must be guided by is the Word of God. Uh, you know, I know we all have feelings, and I know uh, many times our feelings get in the way. We all have opinions, but what we need to be anchored to is the Word of God. What does the Bible have to say? And so today we're going to talk about this matter of identity, or let me put it this way, our God-given identity. And I'm glad that I've never struggled with that, but listen, I know a lot of people that, that do. Uh, they, they struggle with this issue. And I want to be a help today, and it, it may not be you, but many of us know someone who has gone down a different road that doesn't really understand this. And if nothing else, listen, I hope your attitude, and I believe it is, but I hope your attitude is always this, that if I know somebody, family, friend, whoever it is, co-worker, uh, the only way you can reach somebody is to be Christ-like. Let me say that again. The only way you're going to be a help, a help to someone is to have the right spirit, the right attitude, because if you don't, all you're going to do is push somebody away. Okay, so what we've got to do is approach things the way Jesus would and the way the Word of God instructs. And so we're going to talk about this matter of identity. We can call it gender, whatever, but I'm going to deal with three things today. I'm going to deal with the foundation. I'm going to deal with the fight of the thing because it is a fight. And then we're going to deal with the formula. I'm going to give you some nuts and bolts on maybe some things that you could do to help maybe someone you know, maybe your family, maybe your children. But if there's, if there's a single issue about which our society is profoundly confused today, it's gender identity. It really is. And I want you to look back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And look what God says here. It says, and God said, by the way, that'd be something worthy of underlining in your Bible right there. Here's what God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created, notice the words there, God created. Everything that's in this world, God made it, all right? God created in his own image, in the image of God created he, what's the next word? Him. Notice, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now we live in a day, and I know this is no new news to you, but we live in a day of anti-God agenda. Uh, people have turned God's created design inside out and upside down, and you know what it's brought about? Confusion, especially confusion for our children. I mean, children are being 
bombarded at a very young age in school with their friends on media. And, and honestly, I mean, my children are grown, but I think about my grandchildren and my grandchildren's children. And I think about the, the generations to come. Folks, if we don't stand for the truth on this issue, things are only going to get worse. They're not going to get better. We've got to understand the importance of this. Look, it's not just children. I think a lot of adults are being pulled in by some of the arguments, arguments of tolerance, arguments of equality. Uh, you're going to see in the lesson today many things that are being brought up. But look, young adults are being brought up in a culture that is heavily influenced by the LGBT society. Uh, you know, and again, when you look at it, the Bible is very clear in these areas. Christian parents, not just parents, but Christian parents need to listen with an open heart to what God's word teaches. If we're going to help our children, we've got to hear what thus saith the Lord. If, if we're going to be able to help our children, and honestly, I believe this is the outcome of it, the fruit of it is, they can actually enjoy the identity that God gave to them. And that's what we need to do is help them to see that. Look again at verse 27. It says, God created, uh, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. See, God is the one. Now listen, you can take that argument up with me all you want, but you, it's kind of hard to argue with the Bible that God is the one that set the distinctions. It, it, male and female, the word of God says, God strictly prohibited the two roles, the male and the female to have blurred lines. God wanted there to be a distinction. So no matter how confused our culture is on this issue, it's vital that Christian parents, we would anchor our children in God's original design. Our children need to see from the word of God that God created a man and God created a woman. And there is a distinction between the two. When families begin to disintegrate, in other words, we get away from the truth, we get away from the word of God, then everything else starts to unravel and we feel the reverberations. Matter of fact, hold your place here and go over to Romans chapter number one. And uh, again, we'll be right back here, but I want you to see a couple verses here in Romans chapter number one. And if you know this book and you know this chapter, you kind of know where I'm heading with this, but I'm just talking about uh, what's going to happen is if we don't anchor our children in God's original design, look at just two verses this morning, Romans chapter one, verse 26. Here's what the Bible says. Matter of fact, back up to verse 25. The Bible says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie, worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, because they chose, man chose to worship the creature. The Bible says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. See, God created the woman the way he did, but they're wanting to change that way that God designed the woman. Verse 27, likewise also the men. God didn't leave the men out. It says, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their, uh, in their lust one toward another. That's men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves, notice, the recompense of their what? Error which was me. See, God, didn't, God never designed man to be with man, a woman to be with a woman, or a man to be a woman, or a woman to be a man. God gave distinction in the Word of God, and what happens is 
when we get away from the truth, what happens is families begin to disintegrate. Uh, and we've, we as a nation right now are feeling the reverberations of this. So how can we help our children understand? And that's what we need to do. That's our God-given responsibility is to understand God's design about identity. It's a God-given identity. So notice, first of all, let's talk about the foundation. Back in Genesis 1 and verse 26, here's the foundation. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let us let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So notice what God is saying here, first of all, is that men and women are equal in God's image. Now, a lot of, a lot of men beg to differ on this, but again, when you study the scriptures, look at James 3, 9. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, Notice, which are made, men are made after the similitude or the likeness of God. That goes right along with Genesis 1.26, is that God made man in his own image. See, men and women are equal in many ways. They're equal in intellect. Men and women are equal in their spiritual rights. Women have just as much spiritual rights as a man does. We find that when you, when you look at the Word of God and the way God created Men and women are equal in their abilities. Men and, and women are equal in their responsibilities when it comes to our responsibility to God, especially in the area of salvation. Uh, listen, women, women can be saved just like a man. There is an equality of God's image when it comes to men and women. You see this in Galatians 3.28. Neither is the Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. Ye are all what? One in Christ Jesus. See, we, we see that we are all one. Now think about that. We, as we look at the foundation of our identity, that men and women are equal in God's image. And then notice letter B, men and women are diverse in their physical design. I mean, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there are definite physical differences from a man to a woman. Uh, and, and, and this is something that we see in the Word of God. I, I think I put this in your outline this morning, and I'm not going to give you a lesson on Hebrew because I'm not well-versed in it, but there are two words that God uses. The first word is the word zakar. This is the word male in the Hebrew, and it means to remember. And then you find another word in the female language, and I would say it's uh, nefaba, is a word that means distinct from the male. So completely two different individuals, two different parts of God's design. And it says here, we don't need to know the Hebrew to know the difference between a woman and a man. All she need to know is just simple biology, you know? And the Bible says, look back at verse 28 again. Here's what it says. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Now, we all know that two women cannot be fruitful and multiply. Two men cannot get together and be fruitful and multiply. It just does not work that way. And God created us physically by his design. And what he is saying here in verse 28 is, is that God's purpose for the diversity between a man and a woman, one word, maybe you've heard it before, it's called procreation. That means that God said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Do you remember the missionary that was with us not too long ago and he was talking about over in Europe, and he was talking about how Europe is, is going to, in a short amount of years, going to become 
a Muslim uh, a nation, a Muslim, and, and I saw a bunch of you kind of raise eyebrows when he made that comment, but remember what he said is, is that because Muslim families are having about six, seven, eight or more children, whereas most European families are only having like, statistically, it's like 1.3. Now, I don't know how you can have a 0.3 child, but, but nonetheless, but, it, but here's the thing is, just numerically, they're going to overrun, and can I tell you, America's not too far behind there. You know, for years, people talk about China because of how expensive it was to raise children, and if they, if they didn't have a son, if they had a daughter, oftentimes they would cast the daughter out until they had a son, and there are a lot of, uh, a, a lot of societies like that today, but here's what we see is, is that when you look at the diversity, the reason God gave that diversity is because God's design is that a man and a woman would, would join together and that they would, they would be fruitful and that they would multiply and replenish the earth. Remember what happened with Noah, you know? God sent the flood and he wiped mankind off the face of the earth except for Noah and his family, those eight that were safe on the ark. Now that's God's design is, is to replenish and this matter of procreation. So procreation is the natural result of marriage. That's what God's teaching in his word. And the, and the fact is that the union of a man and a woman can result in having children. And, and we need to understand this. This is not the case when it comes to same-sex unions. A, a same-sex union cannot have children. It cannot produce children. Notice what Jesus affirmed in the word of God. Look at this. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his Wife. Now, what Jesus was reiterating and reaffirming was what was already given by God over in Genesis chapter 2. Look at the verse there. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, look, it's vitally important that we as Christian parents, or let me just say, we as Christians teach our children the very foundation of God-given identity. They need to understand what the Bible has to say. Look, I understand I have some opinions. I have an attitude when it comes to this. But again, what I need to stay anchored to is what does the Bible say? What does God say? What is God's design for mankind? And this is what we see when it comes to the foundation. Now, listen, you might as well mark it down. If you're going to hold to the foundation of God-given identity, then number two, you're going to understand the fight that you're going to experience because that's what it's going to be. A lot of people do not see things the way Christian, Bible-believing Christians see things. And because they don't see them the same way you do, they will call you narrow. They will call you bigoted. They will say uh, you're not in touch with uh, today you don't understand, uh, you're prejudiced, they'll call you anything. It, listen, if, you're, if you believe that and you've shared what I just shared with you about the foundation, you've probably heard many of the things I just said, if not more. Okay. Now again, look, when somebody doesn't have the same attitude, it's not my job to change their mind. Let me say it again, it's not my job to change their mind. But it is my job to lovingly and gently to share the truth with them. Now, whether they choose to accept it or not is between them and God. Okay, it's just like when 
when somebody witnessed to you tried to tell you your need of salvation. The only thing they could do, they, look, they could twist your arm behind your back and make you pray a prayer, but that doesn't mean you got saved, right? It, it, it ultimately was your decision. And I know, I even know some of our church members that are, that are really hurting because some of their own closest family members have chosen to believe this lie of the devil hook, line, and sinker. They've swallowed it all. And that's the way society is heading. I mean, look, turn on the television. It's on almost every show you tune into. Uh, it, there's an agenda, folks. And I know we, we know this, but we have to see that there is, if, if we're going to hold to that foundation, there's going to be a fight for God-given identity. You see, there's a battle for our children every day. Ever heard this terminology? Alternative lifestyle. How many of you have ever heard of that? Yeah. See, they've, they've, they've gotten real good about giving certain labels to things. You know, it's an alternative lifestyle, and a lot of people live that way. You see this a lot of times. Uh, I, I think one of the things that kind of caught my attention quite a few years ago now <clears throat> was the Boy Scouts started dealing with this stuff. How many of you were Boy Scouts growing up? I was. And uh, it was just something that they faced. Now, here's the sad reality is, is that the Boy Scouts realized if we don't allow this agenda, then we're going to be sued. So now they allow it. It's, it's sad how they're just letting some of this stuff kind of come in. Yes, sir. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll be sued. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's an yeah, it, it's, it's an amazing, but listen, Christian parents, we have to understand that it's going to be a fight. Now, I'm not talking about putting the gloves on, but I'm saying that when you stand for the truth, you're going to find that there's always going to be someone, like, listen, even in Nehemiah's day, there's always somebody that's going to oppose it, and, and the truth is, look here, if we weren't saved and we didn't know the truth, we'd probably be in that same boat, all right? But we are saved, and we do have God's word, and therefore... We must stand for the truth in this day that we live in. So notice what we need to do, first of all, is to avoid ungodly influence. Uh, look, if you have children, you need to tune in right now, all right? I know maybe you stayed up late last night watching the fight or whatever you were doing. But listen, uh, I hope you got your coffee or whatever you need. But don't miss this point. You have got to teach your children and people you know to avoid ungodly influences that are out in the world. What does Psalm 1-1 say? Look how this entire book of Psalms or songs begins. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, look, be not deceived. Evil communications do what? They corrupt what kind of manners? Good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Listen, it's time for Christians to wake up. Awake to righteousness, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, there are people out there that do not know what is right, but we do. And we who do know the truth, we've got to awake to righteousness and make sure we don't let this go on. So what are some corrupt sources? If you want to jot these down, I don't think I put them in your notes. And honestly, look, I could give you a longer list. I'm just going to give you a little taste this morning. And these are all things that shouldn't be new to you, but I, I'm just trying to raise an awareness. What are some corrupt sources of influence, especially if you have children? These are things you want to avoid. Notice, first of all, 
is the fashion and marketing industries. Fashion and marketing industries. I mean, every day they are, they are pushing their agenda. They are targeting children. Listen, I remember years ago, some pastor friends of mine, they, said, they, they came out and said, look, uh, you need to keep your children away from Abercrombie and Fitch because they're, 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 most of their models are, are just flat out wearing hardly nothing if they're wearing anything at all. Uh, there are all kinds of, of things out there that, that you need to understand that today's clothing, you know what it does? It promotes ungodly lifestyles. A lot of the commercials, I mean, listen, folks, uh, anytime you're sitting there and you have the television on and you hear or see a Victoria's Secret commercial come on, turn it off. I mean, it is, it is flat out something that you don't need to see and your children don't need to see. You cannot sit there as a Christian and watch that and, 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 and it not affect you. If it doesn't affect you, then, then again, there may be something in your heart. But look, these are corrupt sources. Here's another one, the internet. Now, I'm not saying the whole internet's bad. I'm just saying there are things on there that promote some of these uh, agendas, some of these activities of some of these groups that we want to stay away from. And you have to be careful about it. Look, it, a lot of times it's not what, I'm, what I went in to search for on the internet. It's all the things that pop up around it while I'm looking at it. You know what I'm talking about? All those pop-up things? They're, they're very tricky when it comes to They know exactly what they're doing when it comes to the internet. And the eye does affect the heart, Jeremiah said. You've got to be careful about the internet. Here's another one I already mentioned, television. Uh, there's a lot of gender confusion that's being played on, on the television. And in many homes, look here, it's nonstop. I mean, it's one show after another, after another, and they sit there all night for about three or four hours, and then they go to bed. And you've got to be careful about some of the things that they're promoting on some of these shows. I've never watched one episode of it, but I was reading some stuff about the show called The Modern Family. It promotes a homosexual lifestyle as normal. And folks, listen, as Christians, we cannot watch this stuff, especially if you're sitting there watching it and your children know you're watching it. Uh, you know, there's, there's just no way that it's going to be a good influence on your home. How about this? I mentioned last week, public education. Uh, there are secular humanists that are promoting things in the school, in the American public education, and our schools are being invaded by things. You know, I was doing some reading. I, I won't spend the time. You can look it up yourself. But how many of you know that it hasn't been that long and by the way, I, I'm not totally against this. I don't believe it's a good thing anyway. But how many of you know that recently, in the recent years, all of a sudden you started hearing about this anti-bullying campaign in the school? That's only been a couple of years, right? Now, how many of you remember when you were in school, if you were like me, you probably got bullied, right? You know, maybe, maybe some of you were the cool guys that actually were doing the picking on the other. But I was, uh, oftentimes, I was the brunt of it. I can still remember times people picking on me, things like that. But I never remember they had some anti-bullying campaign. And believe you me, listen, I don't believe that any kid should ever be bullied. But do you know why all this anti-bullying campaign started? Because of all this uh, identity crisis, because certain kids were being picked on because they didn't know if they were a boy or a girl, they couldn't decide who they were. And so a lot of this began in the schools, you know? And so, yes, sir. Yeah, that was part of it, too. I mean, there's many facets on why this started, but a, a lot of this comes right along with 
the gender identity and knowing who they are. So be aware these are some corrupt sources. And as Christians, I, I believe with all my heart, we should love everyone. You know, look, I learned a long time ago, and I'm glad somebody taught me, hate the sin but love the sinner. And I'm glad that somebody loved me. I'm glad the Lord loved me. And so we need to love everyone, but we at the same time should care about the values that these sources are teaching and influencing our children. You should care deeply about that. I would look here, I'd rather, and I'm not telling you to cancel your subscription, I'd rather not have the internet than allow those, those ungodly influences into the hearts of my children. Uh, you know, if I was a parent, and this is just me, you, you can take it for what you want. If, it, if I had children in this day and hour, even if I allowed them to have a phone, and we had a lot of restrictions on our children, and you can ask my, any one of my children, they, they, they didn't have texting, they didn't have Facebook and all these, and, and many times our children would say, uh, why can't we have it? All my friends have it. And I'd say, listen, all your friends don't live at my house. I'm not the parent of all your friends is what I would say to them. And, and as a result of that, uh, I, I would say in this day and hour that a Christian parent, uh, if it was me, my children, when it came time for bed, their phone would go into my bedroom and it would stay there all night. Because children stay up all night long on their phone and parents have no idea what their children do on the phones. And so you've got to be aware of that. So think about this because look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Now the word effeminate that's in that, and I could talk about each one of these, but we're talking about gender identity today. That word effeminate, here's what it means. Softness to the touch. There's a lot of boys today that are, you know, you know what a boy needs? He, he needs a bruise on his head. You know, he needs a ball and a bag. He doesn't need to be doing, now listen, my, my mom taught me how to cook. But guess what? I, I was still a man cooking in the kitchen. Uh, and, and I still enjoy cooking. But I didn't spend all my time doing women things. Uh, I, my dad took me out. I played football. I played basketball. I played baseball. Uh, you know, I enjoy those things. And I just believe, again, God made the distinctions that a boy should be a boy and a girl should be a girl. Now, I, you know, for a long time, I thought, you know, God may give me a son. God chose not to give me a son. And here's why. Because if God would have gave me a son, he would have been the meanest thing on the face of the earth. <laughs> and so when God gave me daughters, my wife had to help me with this. She's like, Dane, she's a girl. I'm like, yeah, I know she's a girl. And what she was saying to me is, is let her be a girl. Now, you know, I, I had my one daughter, she's helped me hang drywall. My other daughter helped me do something. And even my granddaughter yesterday, she was walking around here with a screwdriver, and she's so smart, two years of age. She wasn't just like sticking it into the wall. She's like, I fix it, I fix it. And she would literally walk over to where there was a screw on a doorknob and put that screwdriver into that screw. I was like, man, we need to get that girl a job, you know. And, but here's the thing is, let a girl be a girl, let a boy be a boy. That's okay to teach them some other things. But again, we are so deceived. And, you know, look, every day there's this degenerizing uh, of the, the, the department stores. Everything that you see 
is geared to try to, to get the children, boys and girls, to rethink their identity. And times are changing, and we've got to fight for those things that are influencing our children. So wh what do we need to do when it comes to the fight for God-given identity? Avoid ungodly influence. But look at number two. In, in, now, let me say it this way. Yes, in the fight, we need to avoid ungodly things. But listen, don't spend so much energy on avoiding ungodly influences that you miss, letter B, that you teach your children how to follow biblical counsel. You know, teach them good things. It's, look, it's not all bad. There are some good things out there. There are some things that you can encourage your children. Allow them access to godly influences. Point them to faithful men and women. Look, help them get to know uh, some people in your church. Help them to get to know some Christians around you so that they can see what a real Christian man should be like. What a real Christian lady should be like. In God's design, here's what we find is, now, I mean, I mean, no disrespect, this is a biblical principle, but older generations are to intentionally influence younger generations. That's God's way. See, you've lived longer. You've gone through things. Now, you define, I'm not going to define this morning, you define older, all right? Because I know, I know at my age, there's quite a few people that are older than I am. But I know that now I'm a lot older than many that are younger than me. And the Bible t tells us, look, at, as far as women, Titus 2, and I could give you other verses, but here it is, older generations influencing younger. Teach that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Great verses there. And there's a lot of young women, look here, they're being bombarded on a daily basis with all this evil intent in the world. And if some uh, older Christian woman that maybe has, uh, that understands that, that has solidified her identity, God-given identity, can help some younger women to understand this is what a Christian, you know, believe it or not, uh, we, we, in the past in ministry, I've had to tell my wife, when, now not here, but I've had to tell my wife in previous ministries, that she needed to help some of our ladies. And, and honestly, we had some ladies, I told her, I said, you're going to have to tell them, teach them some personal hygiene. You know, some people just, they didn't, they didn't know. They came in and, and you could just tell they were disheveled and there was, uh, there was an odor there and, and nobody ever took the time. But listen, sometimes you have to do that. And when it comes to children, you, you and I know that kids won't put on deodorant unless you make them put it on. And even then they won't put it on. You know, they'll tell you, it's just like you tell them to go take a bath and they ran the water, but they didn't get in, they didn't use soap, you know, and, and you have to teach some things. So look, some, some of the, the ladies that have been around need to teach younger women. How about men? Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 16, watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. So godly men need to set a pattern for younger men and help them understand that this is what God wants us to do. So, look, there, there is definitely a foundation from the Word of God on this matter of God-given identity, and if we're going to hold to that, then there is going to be a fight, and so we've got to avoid ungodly influences, but we need to allow some biblical counsel and help them understand what a Christian man, what a Christian woman is like. But look at number three, the formulation of a God-given identity. In other words, what, what does God's Word give us and, and some of these are, are biblical things 
but they're also very practical. And I want you to see some factors that'll help shape a child's sense of identity. Here's a great one. Time with parents. I thought about, before I taught the lesson, to, to just throw that out and see what kind of answer you'd give me. If I said time with, but I, I decided not to because I, I didn't know what kind of answers I would get. But listen, I think it's a good thing when children spend time with their parents. Do you know that's pretty rare? Most children really don't spend time with their parents. You know who they spend time with? Their friends. They're at school. And you think about the amount of, you know what accelerates a relationship? Time. And most of a child's time is not spent with the person. The parent is the one that God has designed to influence the children. And it's so important, you know. I've watched my, my granddaughter because she's with us right now, and I watch how when, you know, she's with her mom and she loves her mom, but when her dad comes home, boy, she just loves, you know, daddy this, daddy that, daddy this, you know. It's right now, and, and my, I hope my son-in-law wants it to stay this way. Right now, the sun rises and sets on, on him in her eyes, and uh, hopefully it'll stay that way and some ugly boy won't come along and snatch her away from him. But, but here's the thing is, is that children need to understand. Look at Ephesians 6, 4. Here's, here's this matter, a matter of our role in their life. It says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, children are a, are a clean slate. You know, when they're born, it's our responsibility to bring them up. And can, look here, look at me. If we don't bring them up, the world will bring them down. That's what's going to happen. It's your choice. We've got to understand how very important it is to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Look here. Let, as a, as a, as a husband, let your children see you treating their mother right. Because, again, you're modeling something in front of them. If you're always yelling at your wife and treating her poorly, that's the role model that they're going to think, well, that's the way I need to treat my wife someday. But look here, also let their mother respect and treat their father the way she should so that young ladies can say to themselves in their hearts, that's the way I want to treat my husband someday. That's, that's what I've seen my mother do and look, I, I think about this oftentimes, and I know this sounds really basic. Talk to your children. Let me say it again. Talk to them. I'm not just saying, how you doing? You know, I don't know at what age, but somewhere along the way, if you don't talk to your children about things that I know a lot of times, when we grew up, it was oftentimes called the birds and the bees. If you don't talk to your children, by the way, they learn it very young, very young. And if you don't talk to them about it, now, I know, honestly, it is one of the most awkward conversations you can ever have with a child. But if you don't do it, they're going to learn it from somewhere. And you've got to see the importance of spending time with your children, and they need to spend time with their parents. Letter B, there needs, you need to help them understand there's a distinction in dress, a distinction in dress. Now, I'm not here this morning to tell you how to dress your children, okay? I'm not against you, but I want you to see this morning, 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, 
But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The Bible tells us that this conversation is our lifestyle. And you know what that includes? It includes, it includes our clothing. Boy, when it comes time for kids to go to camp, Brother Kenny says, listen, uh, you need to make sure that you bring this, this, and this. And you can't, the, the, the rule of the camp is you can't have any of these kind of clothes, these kind of clothes. And a lot of times, even Christian teenagers are like, what? We can't wear that to camp? And it, look, it, what, there should be a lining up many times of a Christian home and a church and even a Christian camp. And we need to help our children understand that, look, I was saved in my ignorance, but now that I am saved, I shouldn't be dressing. Look, there ought to be something distinctly different between a Christian and the world around us. And they need to understand that and see that in us. Help your children with this matter of modesty. <laughs> I don't know why my son-in-law started teaching my granddaughter, but he taught her this phrase, modest is hottest. <laughs> I don't know how that got started, but I just get tickled every time I think about it. Now, look, I, it's, it, it, it may be your definition of modesty. That's why I'm saying I've seen people who say like a, a girl that, uh, that, that her knee shouldn't show or that none of her legs should show or that, you know, that she come to the mid uh, kneecap and all this. If you kneel down, look, I'm not going to get into all that. All right. Uh, we could stand around and argue all day. But you must define for yourself or your family what modesty is. And look here, is don't let someone else dictate. Again, the, the, the gauge is this. God is holy, therefore be ye holy. In all manner of conversation, in all manner of lifestyle. So to dress modestly, I think here's what it does. It brings glory to God when we dress a way that's appropriate. All right? And I'll just leave it at that. So dress standards, I think, change. You see this in the Old Testament. Look, God actually forbids stuff in the Old Testament. Look at Deuteronomy 22.5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination of the Lord thy God. And by the way, back then, men didn't have, you know, here in America we call them pants. Uh, in England they call them trousers or whatever. Uh, it wasn't like that back in that day. Men actually wore long robes, and you could call it dresses if you wanted to, but it's interesting, all the way back in Deuteronomy 22, God says a woman shouldn't wear man's clothes and a man shouldn't wear women's clothes. You know, And I'll, again, I'll just leave it at that. But there ought to be a distinction in our dress that honors the Lord. Your children may be too young to understand. You might set some boundaries. And, and listen, if, if you are going to, your children are probably going to say, why do we have to wear that? Why are we doing that? And, and as a parent, what you need to do is don't just say because I said so. That's the old parent pull out of the pocket. It's, I'm the parent, you're, you're the child, this is what you're going to do. Here's what you need to do. Try to help your children understand. This is why you've said that. Letter C, another thing is have balanced activities. Balanced activities. And uh, it's important. You see this in the life of Jesus. Luke 2.52, he had a balanced life on this earth. Now, I know he was the son of God, but he was 100% man and 100% God. And the Bible says about him, he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So you need to allow your children opportunities to enjoy things, to have activities, uh, teach a boy again to be masculine, teach a girl to be feminine. But again, let them have balanced activity in their life. Letter D, let them have godly friends and associates, have the right kind of friends. Again, 
uh, they're awake to righteousness and sin not, the Bible says. Here, here's a thought. Know who your child's friends are. Let, let me take it another step further. Look at me. Better know what their, your, your children's friends' parents are like. Because if you let your son go over to Johnny's house, guess what? Whatever Johnny's parents do, whatever they watch, whatever they eat, however they talk, guess what your child's going to be influenced by? Now, I know a lot of times you think, man, you know, do we need to take all this into consideration? Absolutely. Uh, you need to make sure your home and their home is a good environment for your child. You know why? Because your child is God's gift to you. And what God has done is he has put your children on loan to you, and you are to be a good steward of your children. Your children deserve your protection. They deserve the care that you have for them. Look what the Bible says here. Again, uh, uh, understand that the most sacred part of the physical self is our sexual identity. And the Bible says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. And what Satan is doing day in and day out is he is waging war with sexual temptations. They're attacking the very core of people, their being, and the cult what culture's doing is it's just amplifying it, folks. And we have to understand this matter of gender identity. Don't be passive. Fight for your children and pray for your children. Encourage them, and, and here's the bottom line. Encourage your children to be who God created them to be. That's what you need to do, all right? And so next week, we're going to cover next week's lesson on exposing the dangers of media. Exposing the dangers of media, all right? Let's pray.